Hi, and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And today we are finally freaking finishing this really annoying Henry VI trilogy. I don't know why he made this three freaking plays, but we are at the end of it. If you are joining us for the first time, I'm so sorry about that. Um, we're in the middle of a series on Shakespeare's Henriad, which is a long series of plays. We started with Richard II. So if you would like to hear the background on how we got here, I would recommend going back to that. Or if you would like the background on how we got into this part of Henry VI's life, uh, you can go pack two episodes to the beginning of the Henry VI trilogy. Or you can just listen to this if this is the only play that you're studying right now and you just want a little refresher. And we're going to have a good time. Yeah. And like, this is a deep cut. I was listening to another podcast called Cool People Who Do Cool Stuff. And the host, Margaret, was talking about, I think, the Irish. I don't remember this episode. I listened to this when I fell asleep. You know, she was talking about the Irish and brought up Henry the Sixth Part Two. She was like, I didn't even know that was a play. Like, wh- like, why does this even exist? And I was like, great question. Why does this even exist? Um, and yeah, she was like, this must be a deep cut because it doesn't seem common. And I'm like, fucking <laughs> Henry the Sixth. Why does Henry the Sixth Part Two exist? Great question. Like, just stop it after Henry the Sixth Part One because, like, once Joan of Arc is gone, like, who cares about Suffolk sexing it up? <laughs> so I'm watching the Hollow Crown adaptation, which I do highly recommend. They did a really good job of it and they did something smart because they realized it did not need to be three movies. So they took Henry VI part two and they smooshed most of it into the end of Henry VI part one. And then they smooshed like the very end of it into Henry VI part three. And so it's only two movies and the pirates are gone. They kind of squish Suffolk and Somerset into the same character because why did he need to be two characters is the question. And a bunch of other stuff that's really good. The only downside is I know they did this for characterization and because he's like so, you know, innocent and stuff. But Henry VI talks so slow in it. He's like, civil dissension is a viperous worm that gnaws at the bowels of the commonwealth. It's like, oh my god, Henry the Sixth Speed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if that's just like how people think Shakespeare should be performed, but it was a common feature as well in the 70s BBC productions (laughs) of a lot of Shakespeare plays that I watched because they were the only one that were free and available. Gross. I hate everything about it. Yeah, we hate that for us. But yeah, it was a tough time and I'm speaking slow. I don't like it. Okay, I need to wake up. Party people. Um, so yeah, Henry the Sixth Part Three is a play that did not need to exist. Yes. Also, I watched this thing about the Globe Theater and how they were doing a series of Shakespeare plays in like the original early modern English pronunciation, mm-hmm. which is where you get a lot of the dirty puns. Spicy. Because hour upon hour no longer sounds like hour upon hour and stuff. It is a pun with another word that has a similar consonant structure. Is it hour and whore? Yeah. Well, that checks out. Yeah. But they said that usually when they perform it in the original pronunciation, it actually turns out to be like two thirds of the speed of when they do it in modern English pronunciation. So oh God. for realsies, Shakespeare's like snippy snappy fast. Yeah. You know, Hamlet is four hours long. Fucking Kenneth Branagh decided to have a 30 <laughs> minute fight at the end of Hamlet. <laughs> Fuck, bitch. I can't. Mm. Every time it comes up, I'm like, I want to 
fight him. And I would not take 30 minutes. I could fight Kenneth Branagh if I wanted to pretty quickly. <laughs> I could fight Kenneth Branagh and it would only take five minutes. Probably because he'd KO me right away because I'm a rabid fan, apparently. <laughs> Besides the point. Okay, you know what? I don't want Kenneth Branagh on the pod. I want Post and that's a, that's it. <laughs> Who, by the way, really likes Frosted Flakes, and I learned that today. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, I'm not doing well. But yeah, no, like Hamlet being two and a half hours long, fine. I can watch that. It being four hours long, no. That's too many hours. Too many hours. That's too many whores, <laughs> as Shakespeare would say. Okay, um, we're doing great. Can you tell we don't like this play? <laughs> I want to tell you about Henry the Sixth, Part Three, Amy. Amy, I'm dying to tell you the plot of this play. You tell. Okay, I'm gonna do it pretty fast because, like, I'm so ready to be done with this trilogy. We gotta wrap it up. Okay, so we open up. The Duke of York and his sons and his supporters are in the throne room. I think in London. And one of his followers is Warwick, and Warwick is like, hey, you should take the throne. And so York sits down, and then Henry comes in with his people, and he's trying to start tofu. He's like, no. (laughs) You had... Okay, I was putting on a visual interpretation of what you were saying because I needed be in the mood. I need to be like possessed by the spirit of the theater. And then you go and try to bring tofu in the space of beefing. And I'm so, I fucking can't. You love when I do this. It's your favorite. I love you too, Amy. Bad Chantel. Let me tell you more. So Henry's like, hey, that's mine. I would like it. Can you please get down? And York is like, no, I am the king now. And here are all my reasons why I have a rightful claim to the throne. And then Henry listens to those reasons. And some other guy comes forward. He's like, yeah, that tracks. That sounds like it's legally accurate. Uh, And Henry's like, okay, well, I don't really have a leg to stand on here. So here's what we're going to do. Would you make a deal where I can just rule for now, And then when I die, then your line can take the throne, York. And York's like, you know what? That seems like an okay deal. We've done a lot of fighting lately. I'm not mad about it. That and really, it's all about the Lin Manuel Miranda legacy thing for me. So, um, yes, can I tell you about something I learned about Italy today? Yeah, it's directly related. Okay, so there's this thing in Italy, and I think in Paris and some parts of Spain, where you can buy an apartment while someone's living in it. Okay, they still own it, but you buy it, so they're technically two owners, I guess, mm-hmm. and you get possession of it when that person dies. It's like a naked property or naked ownership or something, is what it's called. I don't like the name, but it, like the concept makes sense. Yeah, it's nicer in Italian, obviously, but mm. ich spreche nur Italian. It's also not how you say Italian that in is German. so Italian. That's the most Italian <laughs> thing I've ever heard. But this feels very much like that, like a naked crown. It's a me. I don't speak Italian. That's how you speak <laughs> Italian. That might be a microaggression. <laughs> But it's kind of like this naked crown or this hollow crown, if you will. You know, because like the York line now owns the crown, but they're waiting for Henry to die. Yes. Which seems like a good deal. It's a good deal for Henry. It's a great deal. It would be a great deal for everyone. It's like the perfect deal. It's like exactly what should be happening right now. If he didn't have any heirs. Yeah, well, his heir can go chew some rocks. Okay. Surprise. We didn't know this. We're just finding out now. But he has a young son. Is he really his son? Because I'm pretty sure. Suffolk was involved. He was suffocating around. So Margaret has a child. That's the only thing we can be sure of. That's for certain. And his followers are like, hey, what about your child? And he's like, I mean, eh, 
you know, a fathers and sons theme that we have talked about previously in the trilogy is going to come back oh so big in this one. Big in this. Big daddy issues. Yes, relatable content. So Margaret comes in and she is pissed. We know how pissed Margaret can get. It's awesome. She's like, you're an unnatural father. Yeah, I bet. I would rather you die than have done this. She's like, you value your life more than your honor. I'm like, yeah, don't we all? And then I realized, no, we don't all because like many people in this series so far have died for their honor. My kingdom for a horse. (laughs) That has not happened yet. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Spoilers. So in the town of York, York is with his followers, Montague, and he's with his sons, Edward and Richard. Which are important. We know Edward and Richard. They are going to be important later. Spoilers. <laughs> so they all ask York, why wait? Just take the throne now, you know? Oh, I wonder which one asked that. I think it's actually all of them. But then Richard's the one who talks him into it. But right as that's happening, he like says he took an oath to let Henry VI rule in peace. And Richard's like, well, that's not really binding, is it? You just said it. Peace, schmeese. Did you sign a contract? No, I don't think this would hold up in a court of law. You know what else wouldn't hold up in a court of law, Richard? His spine. <laughs> Roasted! <laughs> You guys are going to love the next episode. Oh, yikes. Okay. So (laughs) Richard is a hunchback. I feel really bad for him because he was like really down on himself about it, actually. Okay. So like Richard had scoliosis and you know who else has scoliosis? Amy. (laughs) So like, it's fine. Amy has scoliosis. Richard has scoliosis. Amy has a good life. Richard fucked up. Here's the thing is he's like, oh, I'm so like weird and shriveled and no one would ever love me. But it's like, just fix your personality. personality. Yeah. He's incel behavior. Have you seen The Witcher? I have not, but please tell me about it. Okay, so one of the main characters, Yennefer, is born with bodily anomalies. Basically, like, she has, like, a jaw issue and a back issue. She goes through this whole, like, process to become beautiful, blah, 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 blah. And it made me really mad Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I was like, she didn't need to be pretty because, like, she wasn't ugly. And as someone with, like, and people who've seen the show, it's not as bad as what they depicted in the show. But like as somebody who has like a jaw problem and also a back problem, I felt kind of slighted. Yeah, no, I can see that. You don't need to fix like every physical imperfection to be worthy of love. Yeah. I think the real Richard III rewrite would be Richard just figuring out how to love himself. Ooh. That would be a good modern adaptation. Okay, I'm on board. Can we call Kenneth Branagh even though I slammed on him earlier? Yeah, <laughs> just cut that part out. Okay. <laughs> Everyone will tag him in this episode like they did for Post Malone in the last episode. Is Post Malone sitting next to us right now? No. <laughs> so we've got to keep working at it. We need 10,000 likes on that tweet. Yeah, well... Go like it while it's know. still a tweet before it's an X. Fucking... I have thoughts, but I'm not going to share them. Okay. So. You know who needs to fix his personality? Who? Elon. Yes. That is the most accurate thing you've ever said. Yeah. Apt. Astute. Okay. So York is like, you know what? Mm. I don't know if it would be legally binding. Good point, Richard. And then Margaret and co show up and they're like, we're going to F this shit up. Do you like how I censored half of that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you like how I'm giving you an interpretive dance? I love this it. This is an audio medium. <laughs> Nothing would make me happier at this moment than seeing the rest of this interpretive dance. Okay. Remember Clifford? Mm. He showed up in like five minutes of the last play. His dad got killed by York. And then he was like, oh, you killed my old, old dad. Well, 
well, if there's any young people fighting on your side, I'm going to murder them. Correct. Not foreshadowing at all, I'm sure. Oh, wait, he comes in and he immediately murders York's youngest son, Rutland. Poor Rutland. It's like really messed up because Rutland's like, oh, no, don't murder me. Let me pray first. And then he's like, stab you in the throat. I feel like Rutland would have been a better king than any of the other York kids. He would have, but because of the fact that the ruling line is like passed down to the oldest, he would have been like sixth in line. Yes, but he could have been Lord Protector. I mean, yeah, he could have been, but isn't Richard only Lord Protector because of all the murders that he has to do first? Um, He's Lord Protector because Edward was dumb on his deathbed. <laughs> mm, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Of natural causes, I'm sure, and not poison or anything. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. For shizzle. Uh, so Margaret has captured York and she's like, hey, um, just FYI, we murdered your youngest son. Oh no, are you crying? I will dry your tears with a napkin dipped in his blood. And then they crown him with a crown of thorns like Jesus. The Jesus allegories are back. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, but like Margaret was like too much. She's like so much in this scene. She's too much of a person for Henry VI. Yeah. Like she would have been perfect for Suffolk. So some say she was. <laughs> so they do a little bit of torture. And then he calls her a proud French woman. <laughs> and he's like, just dispatch me. And she does some, some little digs. And then she stabs him. And then Clifford does some little digs. And he stabs him. And then York dies. R.I.P. All right. He really should have survived. Maybe his sons wouldn't have. That would have been the smart thing for him to do. Someone should have let him know. <laughs> Maybe he should have defended himself against French Margaret. <laughs> so... Edward and Richard are hanging around after the battle and they're like, I wonder what happened to our dad. And then they've got this sword and they're like looking in. No, they don't have a sword. That's in the movie. They're just looking into the horizon. And Edward's like, oh, I see a vision of three sons. That must be a sign that the three York brothers become one. And oh, look, the sons are coming together. And Richard's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. For sure that's happening. You're on speed, maybe? I feel like the second that this maybe holds through to the current line, the seconds you become like next in line for the throne, like something in your brain just like fucking snaps. <laughs> that's really accurate, actually. That's like the, the weight of the impending crown is just too much, whether you know it or not. You know, like he didn't know, but he knew, but he didn't know, you know? It's literally weighing heavy on your head. Yeah. Mm. Some yeah. say they're they're appointed by God or whatever, so. Drugs. Drugs. Speed. Drugs are fun. Okay. So. Are they, Chantel? Caffeine's fun. We're allowed <laughs> to like coffee on this show. We've had wine. You've never sounded like more of a Mormon. On some days. Not today. No, today we only take Tylenol. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> he duetted with my, Who are my you current hypothalamus. <laughs> he duetted with Noah Khan on a song called Dial Drunk and it slaps. Exciting. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a drug. Yep. You know what else is a drug? The Black crown. Lack of sleep. Oh, yeah. Good point. We talked about this last time. But you know who said that the crown gives you a lack of sleep? Henry the Fourth. Remember that? Gang, gang. Yeah. That was months ago that he said that. <laughs> okay. So a messenger shows up and he's like, oh, York's dead. I'm um, your dad. And also your youngest brother. It's so sad. In 
Anyway, Edward, you're next in line. <laughs> hey, Shakespeare could not have written it better than you just did. Shakespeare's actually posthumously taking editing advice from me right now. He's sitting right here and he's like, oh, that's good. Shakespeare's like, how does that fit in iambic pentameter? <laughs> so Henry shows up at the town of York and Margaret and Clifford are there. And Clifford's like, hey, you want to undisinherit your son? because he deserves this crown. And Henry's like, no, I made a deal. And that seems fair to everybody. And then they're like, surprise, here's York's head on a spike. And he's like, why have you done this? You did this for what? He's like, that was my favorite spike. Did you have to dirty it with the blood? Goddamn, guys. This is not John Cade. Get it? Because he John Cade liked to put people's head on. He did like to put people's heads on spikes. Yeah. Only reading heads. So Edward comes in and he's like, can I have the throne? And Henry is like, I don't know. And no one's listening to anybody. And then Edward's like, Margaret did this. It's her fault. And we're going to have to argue on the battlefield, I guess. We're going to have to decide this mano a mano. I think he means with Margaret, though. They're going to do it at dawn. Guns. Drawn. drawn. Nice. So Richard hunts down Clifford and kills him on the battlefield. And yeah. so, classic Richard. Oh, wait. No, I remember what happens. So they have like this big <laughs> battle between both sides, all the York side and all of Henry's side, because no one would let Henry talk and Henry wasn't allowed to defuse the situation. Margaret went, shh. Yes. Hey, Henry, maybe shut the fuck up. <laughs> Henry, I am proud French woman. You need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> So both sides are fighting. It's very chaotic. Richard hunts down Clifford and kills him. And Clifford's like, oh, Richard, please dispatch me. And Richard's like, okay, that's what I was planning to do for revenge for my father and brother. And Clifford's like, have mercy. And and Richard's like, hmm, mercy, you say? I'm going to walk off stage now. How about that? (laughs) So he just leaves him like bleeding and suffering. Classic Richard. And then Henry comes over and Clifford's like, Henry, can you please kill me? This is agony. And Henry's like, ooh, ooh, mm, not really a fighting king. I'm also going to walk off stage. Henry's like, ew, David. No. (laughs) That sounds kind of yucky. I don't dwell with blood unless it is of the Christ variety. And last I heard, you're not it. (laughs) <laughs> Bye. Um, so Henry's like hiding in the corner and watching on to this battle. And there's a really on the nose scene that I cannot believe did not get cut out of the movie where Henry's looking on the battle and some guy's like, oh, I killed this guy. Let's see who he is. Oh, no, it's my oldest son. I have murdered him. Oh, no. And then he looks across the field and there's another guy and he's like, oh, I just killed this opponent. Let's see who it is. Oh, no, it's my father. Father's sons. Fathers and sons. So fathers have turned on sons in this War of the Roses. How very on the nose. A bit too oink oink, if you ask me. What does it mean? Because <laughs> they have noses. You may regret to inform you. <laughs> Every mammal has a nose. No, but you know a pig's nose? I do. It's a good nose. <laughs> You knows what I mean? Only a bestest friend knows. You are my bestest friend. You are my bestest friend. Okay. So Clifford is wounded and he dies, finally. Ah, exunt. <laughs> and then Edward's like, oh, we won. How very excellent. Henry's missing. Henry's in the corner crying. We don't know where he is. He's probably behind that tree. Why? Because it's Shakespeare. <laughs> 
They, like, string up Clifford's body on the spike where, like, York's head was. And then Henry's wandering through the forest in, like, a little loincloth. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm gonna just be a shepherd now. I guess that's my calling. Like Jesus. Yep. Very Jesus-y. Very Jesus-y. We need to continue the Jesus allegory from his dad, from his daddy-o. Daddy issues. Daddy issues TM, the play. Jesus had daddy issues. And then he gets arrested by two men who support Edward, and he is in jail now. So we're gonna get to watch him grow a little beard. It's gonna be super fun. Meanwhile, Edward sends Warwick to France to ask for the hand of the King of France's sister in marriage. So they two countries can ally together again because we know France and England were just allied with Henry and Margaret. That's all out the window. We need to redo that. Yes. Can I just... Can we not? Um... That's a great question. Because, like, well, I feel like he doesn't. Is this the one who doesn't actually do the thing he's supposed to be doing? Absolutely correct it is, yeah. Yeah, this is my homeboy. I need to pull up my PowerPoint. Is that okay? <laughs> Let me find my PowerPoint and I will give you guys a low down, up down, turn it, turn it, turn it around. <laughs> I'm really practicing for when post comes on the pod. Please bring up your slides. <laughs> do the cha-cha slide for us. Okay, so Edward the Fourth. Yes. Yeah. He was thinking of marrying a woman from France, but then he ended up marrying a woman of the Lancaster line instead, which is a smarter move. It is a smart move because that's a more imminent like war issue happening. Yeah. And like, who cares about France? Truly. Leave us alone. Truly. Leave France alone. (laughs) So in London, Edward has just sent Warwick off to France. And then the Lady Grey shows up to petition for her land back because her husband has died and she wants to like have something put in place where like her son can still inherit the land because he's a baby now and you know women can't have property because women are property clearly edward's like oh you are an interesting petitioner and his brothers are like she's gonna get something and they leave and then edward's like I will give you your land if you give me something. She's like, I will give you anything you wish for. He's like, maybe you don't want to give me what I want you to give me. And she's like, I'll give you whatever is in my power to give you. And he's like, well, this is in your power to give me. And she's like, well, then I will give it to you, sir, if it means I get my land. And he's like, want a bone? And she's like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. (laughs) She's like, I would rather die. Thank you so much. Yeah. And then um, because he does want to bone very much, he instead asks her to marry him so that she can become queen and she will get technically all the land in a sense you know yeah then she will definitely get her land sorry you what elizabeth woodville was called the most beautiful woman in the island of britain with heavy lidded eyes like those of a dragon (laughs) what the fuck have they seen a dragon before for comparison purposes Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I don't know if that was just to appease the Welsh people, but you know. Love that for us. Anyways, you can keep going where you were actually going. So in France, Warwick and Margaret arrive. Margaret has got sanctuary because she's French, so she can be protected there. And they're tofuing, her and Warwick. And Warwick is petitioning for the hand of Lady Bona, who is King Louis's sister. Okay. King Louis is like, do you believe that Edward is the rightful king? And Warwick is like, absolutely I do. With my whole heart, I would never turn on him. I am so loyal to King Edward. He is like, Henry who? I don't know him. Edward, OG, Bess, York all the way, Lancaster can eat hay. Lancaster? I hardly know her. Yeah, exactly. And King Louis is like, well, I would love for my sister to be 
allied with the true king of England. That seems like a good move. Sure. And then a messenger shows up and is like, hey, King Edward is already boning some widow in England. And Warwick's like, I don't know who that is. I have never met Edward before in my whole life. Uh, this is a monstrous betrayal, and I am a Lancaster for life. Fun. So Warwick switches back to Henry's side, so that's fun. Edward and his brothers find out that Warwick and Margaret have joined forces. His brother George, he has another brother George. Isn't that fun? Fun. George is so upset because he knows that like this marriage is going to just piss everyone off, like the last marriage between Henry and Margaret did. We know that was the downfall of pretty much everything. They love getting married and messing everything up these men just thinking with their swords <laughs> they really are they need to think with their other head yeah so edward is captured oh no bamboozled because george is like you guys are being stupid i'm on the other side and then he captures edward edward gives up the throne and consents to be imprisoned at Warwick's brother's estate then richard and hastings come and help him escape. So that was pretty much irrelevant. Don't know why it happened. We can just cut it out even maybe. That's what happened in the movie for sure. Mine as well. So Warwick and George and their nobles find Henry in the tower and free him because they are on his side now. And Henry says that he wants to be king in name only. He doesn't want any responsibility at all. That did not work out well for him last time. Warwick and George can be joint protectors of the kingdom and make all the decisions for him. So Edward IV became heir to Henry VI after Henry VI's kid died. Oh, interesting. So. That's not what happens here. Yeah, that's weird. There's some creative liberties there, but Henry VI's kid dies in battle at 17 years old. Oh my god. In this one, he's like a child. Yeah. He's like eight. No. His name was Edward also, which is super confusing. Edward is no longer my heir. Edward is my new heir. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So anyways, I just wanted to make sure that that was clear. Well, thank you for pointing out the historical inaccuracies with Shakespeare's testimony on this. Yeah. So Henry's followers go gather troops to battle Edward, and then Edward and Richard recapture Henry. It's almost like he could have just stayed in prison. That's certainly what happens in the movie. Could have. Probably should have. They send him back to the tower and they fight Warwick's army. So there's some battles and Edward asks Warwick if he'll come back onto his side and Warwick's like, no thanks. Warwick has his supporters arrive, including George, who is Edward's brother. And then Richard convinces George to break forces with Warwick and join back with the brothers. And he's like, Richard, you're making some solid points. I don't know what you've said, but it sounds real good. Sounds real good. Warwick is wounded in battle and he dies. And then his supporters, Somerset and Oxford, go to join Margaret's army. He's like, Oxford, protect your daughter. Look to your daughter. Anne, never heard of her before, but that's a line. <laughs> Margaret urges her forces on and they go to meet Edward's army. Edward wins the battle and he sends Somerset and Oxford away, kills the prince. The prince is now older. Yes. So the prince is like older, 17, defiant. Now dies. He's like talking the exact same Henry the Sixth speed that his dad was talking in. Yeah. And he's like, you need to know your place, you commoner. Then he dies. They're like, stabby, stabby. And then Margaret's like, kill me too. And they're like, no, bitch. And then they imprison her. Richard 
Richard sneaks off to the tower where Henry is still imprisoned. He has been in prison for a while now. And Henry says that thousands will suffer because of Richard's deeds because he can see that Richard is super evil. He says Richard was born under evil signs. He like had teeth in his mouth to show that he was here to bite the world and stuff. That does happen though. though. Some babies are born with teeth. Yeah. Did you also see the mom who like photoshopped teeth onto her baby? Uh, no, but I've seen actual babies who were born with actual teeth. To bite the world, probably. To bite something. Oh, no. Yeah, I would be like, I'm not chest beating. That's where uh, bottle feeding comes in. Yeah, I'd be like, I draw the line and the line is teeth. (laughs) That's fair. Any line that you choose to make for your body is a fair line to make. But also teeth. Oh my God, no, thank you. (laughs) Also teeth, no. So then Richard basically has this like really long soliloquy that we love. We love to hear it. He says that he's gotten Henry out of the way and now he's going to go for the throne. I'm going to read you some of his soliloquy because I like it a lot. Can I interject for a hot second? Mm-hmm. So our young Edward of Westminster here, the prince, right? Sure. The prince who died at 17 yeah. was married to Warwick's younger daughter and Neville. Oh. Except and Neville later becomes Queen of England. Do you want to know how? Is it Henry VIII? Nope. Richard III. Richard Third. No. Wait. And they have a they have a kid. So she married the person who killed her father-in-law because he because Richard killed Henry the Sixth, who was Anne Neville's father-in-law, and then she married Richard. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But technically, she also married the person who killed the person who killed her husband. Yeah. Okay. Wow. What a wild freaking ride she's having. That's fun. Okay. Richard goes to the tower. Henry is there. Henry is like, hadst thou been killed when thou first thou didst presume, thou hadst not lived to kill a son of mine, and thus I prophesy that many a thousand, which now mistrust no parcel of my fear, and blah, 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 shall rue the hour that ever thou wouldst born. The owl shrieked at thy birth, an evil sign. The night crow cried, aboding luckless time. Dogs howled, and hideous tempests shook down trees. The raven rooked her on the chimney's top the chattering pies and dismal chords sung thy mother felt more than a mother's pain and yet brought forth less than a mother's hope to wit an indigested and deformed lump not like the fruit of such a goodly tree teeth hadst thou in thy head when thou wast born to signify thou camest to bite the world and if the rest be true which i have heard thou camest and then richard's like i'll hear no more die prophet in thy speech and he stabs him he stabs him a lot and then richard Oh my gosh, there's a lot of overkill from Richard. He's doing a lot of stabbing of this dead body. Would you say that he is stabbing and stabbing harder? I would say that, but what's that a reference to? Oh, my PowerPoint? Oh, yes. Who stabbed who and who got stabbed harder? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Thank you so much for reminding me. You're welcome. Okay, so he does some speeches about Henry, and then he's like, I that have neither pity, love, nor fear. Indeed, tis true that Henry told me of, for I have often heard my mother say I came in the world with my legs forward so he was a breech birth yeah which i imagine would be an extremely painful experience with no medical care or anesthetic <sighs> birth was not always survived not a great time for birth givers it still isn't but you know had i not reason think you to make haste and seek their ruin that usurped our right the midwife wondered and the woman cried oh jesus bless us he is born with teeth and so i was which plainly signified that i should snarl and bite and play the dog then since 
since the heavens have shaped my body so, let hell make crooked my mind to answer it. I have no brother, I am like no brother, and this word love which graybeards call divine, be resident in men like one another and not in me. I am myself alone. So he's basically like, no one is ever going to love me. I am weird shaped. I'm just going to do some murders to get back at the world for all of that. And it's like, just be a better person in general. Like there, there are two types of people who use their births in Shakespeare plays to mean something. You know, we have Macduff in Macbeth, who was born of a cesarean and therefore... Oh, yeah. Not born of a woman and... Not a woman born, yeah. Yeah. And then we have Richard, who's like, I was born all crooked, like I came out the wrong way. <laughs> I'm going to use that to fight. You know, there's two types of people. Richard's like, I came into this world crooked and screaming and covered in another person's blood, and I'm not scared to go out the same way. Yeah, cool. I need to stop looking at this family tree because it's giving me nightmares. Okay. So he decides that he's going to like kill Edward if he needs to kill Edward's son, who was just born surprise edward has a son now with lady gray he like kisses the infant and then he's like to say the truth so judas kissed his master and cried all hail whereas he meant all harm and it's like that is not the burn that you think it is richard i feel like somebody should have like taken richard and been like you know it's okay to cry <laughs> everybody hurts <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> like, maybe if you hadn't married your cousin's wife, you'd be redeemable, but... He even has a thing where he's like, I'll make my heaven in a lady's lap. And then he's like, no lady will ever love me. I'll make my heaven in murder in the crown. And it's like, but then you get married. So for why are you doing this now at this point? Yeah, he gets married and then they have a kid. That kid dies. And then fucking she dies of tuberculosis during an eclipse which apparently foreshadows the fact that Richard's gonna lose his mind as if he had one to begin with <laughs> and then he wept so like, he clearly like he loved her or he loved the fact that she loved him mm. but I'm just like you had so much potential you just needed a better personality yeah if only therapy existed it, it did it was called confession <laughs> Oh, no. And prayer. Mm. See, I think you're getting mixed up with what therapy is. See, I go to my therapist and he goes, Amy, you sound like a therapist. Are you acing therapy? And I'm like, thank you. Called out by your therapist. Thank you so much. So there's that. Love when therapists call me out. Yeah. So that was the play. That's it. Oh, and by the way, when I said that somebody called Margaret in Amazon in the last play, and I said, I don't know who I was talking about because I wrote King Edward and I cited <laughs> Henry the Sixth Part Two. No, I was just citing the wrong play. Edward does call her an Amazon in this play. A proud French Amazon. That's not confusing. A proud French woman in an Amazon. Some would say a person with the spirit of Joan of Arc, who was a proud French woman who was also called an Amazon. I miss Joan. We do miss Joan, but you know who's going to take up the mantle of Joan from now on? Who? It's gonna be Richard. And we're so excited for it. Yes, he is going to embody the spirit of Joan and bring vengeful energy to the actual throne of England for the next play. And I'm so freaking jazzed about it. One of them's a saint. The other one was found in a parking lot. But 
The parking lot king is going to do the thing. They paved paradise and put him in a parking lot. Joan was the paradise and Richard was in the parking lot. Yes, I agree. Bop, bop, bop. Bops. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> it's done? Is it finally done? It's finally done. We're finally done with the Henry the Sixth trilogy. Are you so excited? Yeah, I don't think we're getting to Henry the Seventh. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you a rating scale. Okay. On a scale of kissing a baby to slowly poisoning his dad. <laughs> How would you rate this play? Playing mushroom roulette with his dad. Mushroom roulette. Just like put a bunch of different kinds of mushrooms. Yeah, just like walk in the forest and be like, hey, you want mushroom? It's alive. Okay. Hey, you want mushroom? It's alive. Okay. Hey, you want mushroom? Dead. Good. Because <laughs> it comes in parts of threes. The rule of threes. That's solid improv work, Amy. Yeah, no, you can just walk through the forest. This is a life hack for anybody. You can just walk through the forest and eat any mushroom and um, you might see God and you might die. Don't for legal reasons. Don't do it. But you technically could. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's true. Don't do that. I would like to tell you about something. What are you looking for? What are you looking at? What has what has occurred? What has transpired here? What is happening? There's something in my house making a weird noise. Oh, I don't know what it is. Huh. June has melted. Yeah, I'll figure it out later, I guess. Speaking of June has melted, let's wrap this puppy up. I want to tell you about another podcast. I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts on my bike rides in one AirPod because safety first. Safety first. I'm so excited to tell you about this podcast because you know how we analyze poems and stuff all the time? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Well, you do. I'm here. You know how songs are poems? Yeah, we've talked about this before. All too well. Taylor's version. 10 minutes. Well, there is a podcast called Frankenstein's Jukebox with our good friend James Anderson and his good friend Daniel. And together they take their favorite songs or the best songs from every year and then they find elements of the them that they like and combine them into one super song of the year and record it. And it's fabulous and it's called Frankenstein's Jukebox and we're going to play the trailer right now. Well, Daniel, it looks like Frankenstein's Jukebox is going to be joining the Scavengers Network. I heard. It's very exciting. But it does mean we need to write an ad. Oh, you're right. Okay. Okay, I have an idea. You know how on Frankenstein's Jukebox we take two songs from a given year and pull out the things we like about them and use those aspects to make a new song? Of course. We call that new song a song promise. Well, what if we used a similar strategy with our ad? Hey, I think that's a great idea. What are some aspects of your favorite podcast ads? Hmm. Well, I like ads where the two hosts are talking to each other, pretending like they're not doing the ad. That's a good one. I like when the information about the show is presented in a way that demonstrates the concept of the show. Oh, for sure. Okay, so let's use those aspects to make an ad. Actually, wait, there's one more thing I love in a podcast ad. That's so funny because I have one more thing too. You go ahead. No, please, I insist. Same time? Same time. One, two, three. A bicycle, a bicycle horn, horn at the very end, end of the ad to show that, that even though we love music and take the assignment seriously, we're also just a couple of sillies. Huh. Okay. Well, I guess we have to have that aspect. Frankenstein's Jukebox. The second Wednesday of every month, with song promises being released when we finish them. On the Scavengers Network. Wow, that was so cool. I know. <laughs> it's actually a really cool trailer. That's an apt reaction. Good. I'm I'm great. I'm excited. I'm just wondering when Post Malone's going to show up. <laughs> I feel like Post Malone would probably be better on their podcast. I think 
Post Malone would be great on our podcast. He likes Good Mythical Morning. He likes Mythical Kitchen. He likes Cornflakes. He likes Magic the Gathering. I know one of his songs. All notoriously things that we speak about on this English literature podcast. I'm sure he's read a book. He, everyone, you listen, most people have read at least one book. So anyone can guest on this podcast except Donald Trump. Watch him be like a super well-versed literary master of knowledge. Watch him actually be an English major. Surprise. It doesn't It doesn't say. Uh, it says that he enrolled in college but dropped out. Doesn't matter. You don't need a degree to be awesome. Facts. School doesn't make you smart. School does not make you smart. You can be smart and not in school, and you can be smart and in school. And just because you're in school doesn't mean you are smart, as evidenced by many class discussions that we had. And also sometimes when you went to school and then you are no longer in school and you are out of school, you are also losing your school brain. Sometimes you get out of school and you get dumber and dumber every year until you start an English Lit podcast together to keep yourself sharp. Yeah, exactly. I'm still looking for the noise. Okay. Do you have a clean language for us today? No, but I did see 14 groundhogs in less than a hundred meters. What? So that was fun. Why? Yeah. How? So we have a hill next to a road. Okay. And it's about a hundred meters long. And there were more than 14 groundhogs. And I think people should know about that because it made me so happy. I actually teared up. Oh my gosh. We used to love seeing all the groundhogs outside our dorm room. I know. I love them so much still. Did you name them all names that started with G? No, I just cried about it. Okay, that's fair. It's a valid reaction. Thank you so much for listening. That was certainly an episode, and we are really happy to be out of the Henry VI slog. I'm so excited for next week when we get to talk about Richard III, which is the one we have really wanted to talk about since April. We're pumped as hell about that. So thanks so much for coming along with us on that little journey. If you want to talk to us about any of these things, you can find us at UnsightedPod on on Twitter, Instagram, sorry, X, Instagram, and threads. And we hope to see you in two weeks. And as always, we're excited, unavailable. Hi. No. And welcome back to Unsighted. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Start over. The internet. <laughs>